Hello, 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 and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So today's podcast is based off a couple of questions that has come in via DMs over the last little while. I know I've spoken about it in kind of roundabout ways over the, whatever it is, five and a half years of the podcast or four and a half years at this stage of the podcast. And it's in relation to how to stop yo-yo dieting or breaking that yo-yo dieting cycle. So before I go into today's episode, one of the things that I'm super proud of is the Female Fat Loss Program. So the Female Fat Loss Program is starting on the 4th of September. And if you are interested in doing that, you can get early bird access at a discounted price. And what that would allow you is tailored calories. It would allow you workouts for home or gym whatever you want to do there's also encouragement about emotional eating there's there's live q a's every week there are is a facebook group with like-minded individuals and it's something that i'm really really proud of and it's also been designed by one of my clients as well so it's created by someone who was in the position that you may be in and they're flying it now five years later from working with me so my whole job with the female fatless program is to for it to be the last thing that you do and give you the tools that can help you so if you are interested in looking at the female fat loss program and you want to do that and be booked in for september click on the link in the show notes and you can join the waiting list and the waiting list and the priority list is going to be going out on friday and you'll have first access first dibs to be able to get the early bird access the thing is going to sell out I'm very, very confident of that. The last one sold out in a very, very short time frame. And it's something I'm hugely, hugely proud of. So if you're interested in doing that, click on the link in the show notes where it says waiting list or priority list. And you can click on that and you'll be able to get the first time access before anyone else gets it up on Instagram so you can book your place in. So before I go in any further into this episode, Yo-yo dieting is one of those things that I think a lot of people can almost identify as. Like I know from when I have discussions with clients or they fill in the the welcome for the form for the welcome calls, one or two of the things that kind of come in is I am a yo-yo dieter. So it can almost come become like an identity. It can become a a mindset that this is what I am, so I act like this. And if it's something that we believe that's what we are, don't be surprised we act like that. And yo-yo dieting is everywhere. If you look at your group, your people you work with, literally I had a discussion with my physio this morning and she was talking about, it happens a lot when someone hears you're a nutritionist or a PT, they start to ask for advice. They start to ask for questions. And one of the first things she says is, I'm a yo-yo dieter. And she's asked me questions. She's tried X, Y, or Z. And I was kind of like, well, have you tried to do this or this? And normally I don't give out advice like that. But she was trying to help me. And we were kind of, I had a machine hooked up to my leg to try and kind of get whatever's going on in my leg out. And I had nowhere to go very fast. And I was stuck. So I was trapped. So... One of the things we kind of spoke about was, well, what's actually going on? And just kind of gave her a few questions and kind of, well, have you tried to do this? And she was like, no, I said, well, go and try that for a little while. And I think it'd be interesting to see when I go back to her in 
about three weeks. It'll be interesting to see how she goes. But I think yo-yo dieting is one of those things that whether you're talking to a friend about it or how well they look or a 90-day fitness challenge or an overwhelmed brine to be to slim down for the big day or a new mom facing social media intensity scrutiny pressure to bounce back after a baby it can all feel like we're kind of riding this kind of this never-ending merry-go-round of that we never even really wanted to be a part of if you look at everything that you've tried particularly some of the, the the bigger name brands and stuff like that they're setting up for you to be coming back they're not teaching you anything they're not educating you anything they've come up with funny branded words like sins and all these kind of different things and they're not really things because if you start to actually navigate it if you look at what it promotes is it says that a banana in its whole form is fine but it also says if it's mushed up it's a sin but we do realize that when you eat a banana it gets mushed up as we chew it so it becomes a sin as you eat it so there's a flaw in that already and if you're on this merry-go-round and what i've just said resonates with you you're not alone and if you look at some of the reports published by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Center for Health Stats, in 2013 and 2016, they had they about half of Americans had said they tried to lose weight within the last 12 months. And now it's 2023, you can probably only imagine that that's probably on a heightened scale. And that weight loss industry in America alone is worth about $250 billion. That's billion, not million. And if you're feeling like you are becoming a style, I don't want you to worry. My job here is to arm you with the, the facts and make you feel empowered. My job is to educate you. And I'm going to try to unpack what yo-yo dieting is, what the potential downsides of it is, the effects of it, the negative impacts on your health, mental health, and three ways to ditch yo-yo dieting for good. So we need to look at it from a point of view of that if you're constantly on a diet, it means your approach has been the issue. You're not the issue. We're prone to going for quick fixes. We want the least, the path of least resistance. And then where emotions are teed up when we see these videos, we see these transformations of, I can do this, I want to do this. We're toyed with our emotions that this could be you. That's how marketing works. That's how those magazines have worked for a very long time. Now it's going into social media where you're looking at your phone and you're looking at different health and media accounts and fitness accounts and you're saying, I want to look like that. There's this pressure, this desire to be smaller. And it's leading to a kind of a, a constant battle with yourself internally and the dialogue that you have and this can ultimately lead to kind of constant fluctuations with your weight or larger fluctuations with your weight and the big thing that we need to look at now is like what actually is yo-yo dieting it can also be known as weight cycling i think it's called in certain countries and it's the cyclical pattern of losing weight, regaining it, and then dieting again. Okay, so it can be shown in various different ways. And one way is if you imagine a circle, okay, and it has kind of like the lines kind of 
going around it in a clockwise method. So at the top where the 12 o'clock is, it's the desire to be thin. Roughly where the two o'clock on a clock face is, it's the dieting. Then the next one at around five o'clock is cravings reduce sugar control or self-control, should I say. Then at about seven o'clock, it's loss of control and overeating. Then up at about 10 o'clock, it's regain of lost weight. And that cycle continues. And that's called the dieter's dilemma. That's called the dieter's dilemma. That we're caught in that circle. We don't know how to get off that merry-go-round. With every turn of that cycle, we lose weight. We regain it back. And often, more often than not, when we go for those quicker fixes, we either end up back where we first started or we end up maybe in a worse position. And that worse position often comes with a massive cost of your relationship with food. And unfortunately, not many people really are... Accepting that that's probably where most people need to start. Can you lose weight and increase your relationship with food? Yes. Is it more difficult? Yes. It's difficult enough to increase your relationship with food, but can it be done? Yes. Because food's never the issue. It's never the issue. It's normally about how we see ourselves projected onto food. So what actually causes yo-yo dieting? Yo-yo dieting is often actually triggered by this cultural desire to be thinner and smaller. And this makes sense given that we live in this culture of thinness and abs and looking a certain way in fitness. It can be caught up in a a diet culture, it can be caught up in this whole thing according to Christy Harrison that the system of beliefs that worships thinness and equates thin with being healthy promotes weight loss as a means of attaining higher status. Think of that where you fit in on the pedestal or getting validation for your efforts. It can demonize certain ways of eating while elevating others and it can oppress people who do not match up with that thin ideal that is projected or that gold standard of health. And given that we've all experienced this kind of culture in some degree, it's no wonder that many of the people who are out there who are actually trying to lose weight fit into the safety of what our society values. So we need to look at it from a point of view of what is the yo-yo diet effect and what how much, how much of an impact does it have? You're on a diet and this is how it starts. You're on a diet and you start following a, following a set of rigid rules and that's the key. You eat, you set out how much you want to eat, typically a rigid, very low calorie intake that is actually much lower than your actual body needs. Think 1,200 calories, think 1,200 calories, think 1,200 calories. You follow this for a period of time, generally around three weeks is where people's momentum shift kind of drops off until you reach your goal weight and all while receiving praise, admiration from your peers and community, which makes sticking to your diet that much more enticing. If you ever think about it, I know I can only ever talk about my own experience. And I remember when I was doing the a fitness photo shoot in 2018. One of the things that I noticed when I was at my leanest, I wouldn't say I was at my lightest, I would say I was at my leanest, I was getting a lot of positive affirmations, I was getting a lot of validation from other people, like, oh, Walsh, you look great, etc. But I genuinely felt miserable internally. I was doing this for a shoot that was probably about one and a half, two weeks out or whatever it may be, and I remember going out with a few people leading up to it, wasn't able to enjoy the meal because I was on 
calories that were not what I needed at that time. And I was being rigid. I was being strict. I was miserable internally. The dialogue wasn't great. I was tired. I was fatigued. I had dieters fatigue because the calories were so low that were set for me from some by someone else. Now, I should have intervened and jumped in and said, right, this isn't right for me. And I tried to challenge it a few times. But when you come so tired, you're decision fatigue, you pick your battles, you you, you can barely do anything. But I remember getting that validation of like, all right, this is, this is weird that you're getting so much validation for feeling like shit. And that's what it felt like. And you get this praise and you get admiration and it, it feels like that, right, I'm doing something right because I'm getting noticed, so because it's more enticing. But once you reach your goal, you start to notice that following this kind of rigid diet is getting harder and harder to maintain. You start to notice hunger, start to notice cravings, you start to notice tiredness, fatigue, and you may even notice a deep sense of deprivation. Not only but with food, but also with social connection. You you take your step away from being able to enjoy meals out. You follow this strict routine. I can't have this. I can't have that. I'm being good today. Those kind of wordings come out. And then you start to notice the number and the scales start to increase. And over time, you realize that you've regained the weight you lost and then some. So what causes this up and down effect? For some people, it can be a few different things can happen. So when you, for one of the big things is when you go on very, very restrictive diets, it increases your restrictive mindset. It increases that kind of semi-starvation mindset of, I can't have this, I'm being good. And when those foods come back in, you judge yourself as being bad. And if you tell yourself you can't have something and it's brought into your life and brought into your routine, again or so it's around you you're eventually going to burst but if you allowed yourself to have it which you can and i can teach you how to enjoy the chocolate enjoy the carbs enjoy the fats enjoy any food that you feel well then it can be done but by saying we can't have something it's fueling that restrictive kind of mindset it's it's telling us that we, if we can't have something, we don't know when that next thing is going to happen. So we go and overeat it because we don't know when it's going to happen. And that could be, some research shows it could be kind of like from the Stone Age where cave people didn't know when their next meal was. So when they get their next meal, they eat a, a whole load of amount and they can kind of, they go into kind of survival mode and eat everything because they don't know when the next meal is. And that, we don't know how to deal really with that food abundance that's out there at the minute. We don't know how to deal with that element of it. So our brains can't process that much information. We we kind of, those threats that where the next move was going to be or where a saber-toothed tiger was going to chase people back in the cave times, our threats are very, very, very different now. Whereas we've got stress, we've got work, we've got family, we've got school, we've got other responsibilities. So this mental fatigue can have a massive, massive impact on us over time. So you need to look at it as, is yo-yo dieting actually unhealthy? For, for what can happen for some people is the irony of the situation is that constant, I need to lose weight or I should be losing weight or I'll be happy when, that may be, making us 
that pursuit might be making us a little bit more unhealthy. Now, I'm not saying that if you want to lose weight, go and lose weight. I've got clients who want to lose weight. I've got clients who want to improve the relationship with food. I've got clients who want their menstrual cycles back. I've got clients who want to manage PCOS. I've got clients who want to have help with perimenopause and menopause. I've got clients at all different stages and walks of life, prenatal, postnatal. Everyone's completely different. But there's endless pursuit of restriction. There's endless pursuit of looking a certain way or endless pursuit of looking a certain weight or being a certain weight can have a massive, massive impact on your health, your mental health, your... It can have impacts on other organs. It can have other impacts on certain things. Eating disorders, social anxiety, lower self-esteem, feelings of failure. So... One of the big things that can ramp up then is this element of food guilt. And it's important for us to understand that food guilt means we've done something wrong. And shame is the overarching element of it, which means I am a bad person for having this. So we're going to look at maybe 10 ways to kind of break this yo-yo dieting cycle. And 10 might seem like a lot. There was a lot more written on the piece of paper in front of me. But I feel like the 10 here, if you pick one and nail one, then it's progress. If you try to implement all 10 at the same time, it's going to be overwhelm. And overwhelm is generally a loss of the side of a goal. And if you try to change too much, too soon, too quickly, it ends up, we end up beating ourselves up for not being able to stick to it, blame willpower, blame ourselves, all these kind of different things. But if we try to do one of these things at a time, then you'll be and make it more tailored to you and take into account your stress, take into account your life, take into account your sleep, take into account your nutrition and more. So the first thing I'm going to say is you need to look at maybe tracking your intake. But this is tracking things in a little bit of a different way. A lot of people when they have been on or off diets in inverted commas, can struggle with having a very very well laid out foundation of what their body enjoys and what they want to typically eat in a day most people are scared they don't trust themselves and they can get grounded into how many calories are in certain things like tracking calories can help an awful lot of people but if i find generally the easiest way to start off with someone is to keep a food journal for at least three days so writing out what you are having either in advance or as you go. And this allows you to look at what kind of foods you're eating. It allows you to see it in black and white. And what time you typically eat meals at, how you feel beforehand, how you feel after. And identify goals or actual goal setting in relation to the actual plan for yourself. And help to actually identify any food sensitivities or things that may be sabotaging. So it's allowed, it's allowing you to review three days of work and say, right, I could actually, after each day, maybe say to yourself, oh, how would I review that day? I could actually get a little bit more fruit in. I'm noticing that I'm a little bit hungry in the evening, so I'm going to add a little bit more into my dinner. Oh, I know I'm, I'm noticing I'm craving stuff in the evenings. Well, if you look back, well, have I had enough protein during the day? When we inconsistently kind of consume high sugar, high fat, more processed foods, this can kind of cause blood sugars to go up and down, up and down. And it can cause this emotional roller coaster with it. 
There's nothing wrong with those foods in moderation. And if we are crashing in the evenings or crashing in the middle of the day from caffeine or having not had enough water, if you look at your kind of like your food diary over the last few days, you'll be able to spot that trend. You can use different apps. You can use a piece of paper. That's normally what I get my clients to do is to write out a journal and it can help you. And another thing that you can do is planning your meals. So one of the things that a lot of people can kind of struggle with is this idea of planning meals. And I don't mean spending hours and hours of endless hours prepping meals or having this pre-prep routine or whatever it may be. It can be simply looking down and sitting on a Saturday or a Sunday whenever you do your shop. And looking at your shopping list and looking at like right, writing out 10 or 15 meals that are easy, quick, convenient for between your breakfast, your lunches and your dinners and writing out which ones are quick and easy and putting those into an allocated day, then going to get the ingredients for those. And you'll soon find that you'll actually spend less on your shopping, have less waste and a lot of overlap with the actual ingredients. Actually planning that day or that week will give you a better budget it will give you a better understanding of what you want and what you need it allow you to say right if i cut if i know i've got a really bitty early morning on wednesday so what i'm going to do is i'm going to make some overnight oats on tuesday night so i literally grab the lunchbox and then i'm out in the road then i also know on tuesday night that i cook that a little bit more for dinner so i have a little bit of leftovers for my dinner for Wednesday and that's going to be me set. So I know I have two of my three meals nailed. One of the meals will be out with a colleague or a work meeting or whatever it may be. Planning ahead can really, really help you to reduce that skipping meals. It's when skipping meals, that's where the issue lies for an awful lot of people. It's when people start to skip meals in order for do in inverted commas weight loss that's where issues happen. That's where inverted commas cravings happen. That's where we we can pick that a little bit more in the evenings. But if we plan that a little bit more, it can really, really help you. It can save you time. It can save you money. It can stay help you to, if you are counting calories, to try and stay within a caloric range. It can help you to eat a little bit more consistently so you don't have those kind of hanger things. It can help you to manage your calories and your macros. It can help to have a little bit more routine, a little bit more veggies, a little bit more variety in your meals. It can help you to create structure, deeper understanding of nutrition. It can help you to hold, pick more veggies or more diets and actually write it out in a piece of paper and saying, right, after you've done your, your journal for two, for two to three days, you can see where the improvements can be made. And you can see that if I have regular meals, I'm eating more regularly, my energy is better, I'm less hungry, and I'm better able to stick to things. So it'll all increase your adherence. So it's important for you to, to do that, to plan your nourishment schedule or to plan some sort of meal structure. Having that routine of sitting down on a Saturday or Sunday for 10 minutes, because all it ever takes, you have 10 minutes to write out what you need in the shop. You can get it ordered, delivered to you, whatever it may be. And that can really, really help. Another thing that you can do 
is some sort of movement. So number three is do some sort of movement. Most days. It can be simply as going for a walk. I know I'm injured at the minute. So I can't run. I can't weight train. And I can't do any hit. I can't do any running. I can't do really anything. So my goal at the minute is literally just to keep up my normal routine. And my morning walks in the morning. That helps me to clear my head to be present to be able to chill out learn things if i'm listening to a podcast or whatever it may be and it just helps me to keep my energy up and if my energy's up my mood is up my mood is up i'll be in a better form and i'll be in better i'll have better adherence to what i'm trying to do but when people drop the one thing that they do that's working for them regarding maybe skipping a breakfast if they don't if they have breakfast most days or they skip a walk and they notice their mood goes down. Well, one, there could be something else kind of going on or they're not sleeping or whatever and they kind of blame motivation. Motivation is your mood. Look out every time that you've said blame, you start to blame motivation. It's generally your mood. So if you know that, right, what can I do today that's going to help me? And most, I start every morning with my with the walk first thing in the morning. It helps so much. If I don't get my walk in, for whatever reason, even this morning, it was pissing rain. And I was like, no, I'm going for a walk. I was like, right, I'm going for a walk and get a, get a cup of coffee and start the day on my terms. I knew I had physio this morning, so I was like, I didn't really want, physio wasn't really feeling, I just I wasn't looking forward to it because I knew it was going to be painful. But I knew if I started to win the day on my terms, I feel like better, I feel a hell of a lot better for myself. Number four is you need to, to stop depriving yourself. Too many people are addicted to restriction. They're too quick to cut their calories as quickly as possible. They're too quick to go into rigid rules. They're too quick to go dieting means misery. It doesn't. It doesn't mean unsustainability. It doesn't mean you have to be hungry. It doesn't mean that you have to be miserable all the time. Cutting out too many calories, cutting out too many food groups are, is making the whole process harder. But it's probably all you've ever known. I was going to say it's going to be something that you've been taught, but you haven't been taught. You've been dictated to. If you restrict foods, what's going to happen? You're probably going to have cravings. You will only restrict what you crave. Sorry, you only crave what you restrict, should I say. So if you, if you ever think about it, when you're tired, what are you going to say? I'm going to crave carbs. If you cut out chocolate, what are you going to say? I crave chocolate. But you're not craving carbs. You're craving more energy, aka in the form of sleep. But what's the body's brain telling you right now? It's telling you to get the quickest form of energy into your body. That's where the quick form of carbs comes into. It quickly hits the body. But if you eat those more highly palatable foods, they surge up in energy and they crash back down. So what happens then? We need more of it. Same thing. So don't... We can look at it from kind of taking small steps to reduce this try adding a portion of protein if you write out your food journal for three days you'll probably notice the first thing is you probably don't have protein in your breakfast if you start off with protein in your breakfast in the form of whey cottage cheese turkey rashers greek yogurt eggs whatever it may be you'll notice that you feel a little bit hungry you feel a little bit fuller Maybe if you notice that in your diary that you've noticed is that you are probably not having any of your favorite foods in there. So maybe you are having to, that too often and you're snacking that a little bit more. 
because I may need to work on your routine. Like the one thing that I would say, it isn't a race. You don't have to or don't need to cut out anything to get the results you're looking for. Number five, which I think is one of the most underrated one, which is actually get some quality sleep. And I understand some people are poor sleepers and have been and struggle, etc. And sleep is really, really crucial to restoring and giving back your body and a mind a break. Not only is the amount of sleep you get important, but the quality of it and the deep sleep that you get really matters. Now, I've seen studies that have people who get four hours sleep versus eight hours sleep. The people who get four hours sleep consume 560 calories extra of compared to those on getting eight hours sleep. Set 560 calories over seven days adds up to a significant amount of weight or fat gain in a significant amount. Because what happens when you lack sleep? You have decision fatigue, you get tired, you feel lethargic, you stop moving, you stop doing what's working, you blame motivation, and you go for quick and easy options. But if you wrote out your kind of strategy or structure for yourself, you'd be able to go, no, Joe, you know I'm really tired today, so I'm glad I maybe cooked that a little bit more the night before, or I had one of these meals in the freezer that I cooked from Sunday. If you can plan out ahead for yourself, would it always happen? No, I'm not. You're human. And all of this can be directed by and driven by perfection. And perfection is the inability to accept that you are human. There will be days you are hungry. There will be days where you're tired, you're fatigued, you're not motivated, you haven't slept, you're more stressed. There's all these different factors. This will happen. But the right approach for you will teach you how to manage those days. Those days where you have lower mood and stuff like that. They're the days that if you do anything towards your goal will help you a lot more rather than just parking the bus and putting the brakes on completely. They're the days if you do something, even if it's going for a walk. Like I know on Friday I had to, Friday night, I got, my brother's flight got delayed by about four hours. So I actually didn't get back home until about four, half four in the morning. So I know Saturday I was exhausted and I'm really precious about my sleep. I was exhausted on Saturday. So I knew what I needed to do was to really, really focus on, right, today is not going to be the day that's going to be my best day. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on having my regular meals where I can. So have my normal breakfast, have my normal lunch, even though I was meant to be going out to a friend's house for a party on Saturday. I was like, I'll drive out to it, go out for a couple of hours and then come back. So I was back at a reasonable time, had my normal dinner and I was kind of like, right, I am set. I'm going to go to bed early. Now, I didn't go for a walk. I didn't go for exercise, but I chose that day I was like right let's just focus on the three regular meals I said to myself this is what I need to help me this day another thing that people forget about or are unaware of and one thing that can really help them is using portion control so if you look at the amount of people that the estimating your food intake will get you closer to the actual goals and looking at your plate but it can take understanding it can take time it can take a few tweaks or whatever it may be. And actually, if most people underestimate their calorie intake by about 20% when they're looking at a food. So if you're eating out and enjoying foods without a nutrition label or fact or whatever it may be, it can be a challenge. So when you're counting calories, it can help sometimes to overestimate what you're consuming, especially if you're out for a meal. So I normally suggest, there's no evidence in this, but I know it's a rough guide to some clients who are counting that if you're out for a meal, multiply it by 1.5. Because the chef's job is to make it tasty. 
we don't know if it's going to be exactly that but it can overestimate the calories and give you that little more of a buffer and it could be more it could be closer it could be further away to what the reality of it is instead of guessing or whatever it may be you could use that scale of 1.5 for meals out and if you're unsure of something if you're out in someone's house you can use 1.2 to 1.5 and multiply it by the food that of that time the next thing that i don't think a lot of people utilize and most people don't do but i know they know they should do which is knowing your why like we know that losing weight is all about your calories in calories out but that's not what that the issue that a lot of people can struggle with and as a concept it's easy that it's calories in calories out but ultimately where an awful lot of it starts is in between the, the six inches between your two ears a lot of it is your mindset when trying to build those healthier lifestyles those ditching those unhealthy habits it can be hard to stay motivated and fixated and kind of like a lot of people are fixed on these extrinsic motivations which is how like losing weight getting into a bikini or whatever it may be but anything motivated by an outside reward is considered an extrinsic motivator and although all those these extrinsic motivators can drive us to initiate change they're not going to get us out of bed when we're tired they're not going to get us to maybe sit down for 10 minutes and plan out your day but understanding your deeper intrinsic and how your desires are connected to your values will ultimately help you to maintain it long term most people look for a quick fix and wonder why they're not getting where they want so if you're looking to lose weight you need to find different forms of motivation you need to set your goals that are identity based work out because you want to walk because you want to eat because you want to have regular meals because you want to not because you have to because you want to when most people try to lose weight first thing they do is they focus on the three percent they say right i'm going to increase my exercise but then they can't stick to it and then they go give up because they're not certain on what their why is they don't look at those motivations those behaviors their adherence their relationship with food the 97% is what's more important. And this whole thing, this motivation will ebb and flow. The lows will happen. The motivation will go up and down. They're like Just like the weight, it will go up and down. And actually knowing your why would help to endeavor, stick to actually help you to actually stick to your guns and make these changes based on your values. Number seven is partner up with a nutritionist, partner up with the coach, partner up with someone, having that accountability to someone, having a chat with someone, asking for help is actually sometimes the easier said than done. I remember having a conversation recently with someone who messaged me probably about six months ago via DM about coaching. She booked a call in around that time and then the week, the day before the call, she cancelled. And I had that phone call with her recently and she was like, I'm ready now. And the reason why she, she came up with a lame excuse, I'm not going to lie, went to cancel the call. I was like, that's fine. Old me would have got annoyed. I was like, that's fine. She's not ready. But she messaged me and apologized for kind of like for doing that. Because she wasn't ready. The mindset wasn't ready. But she kind of said, I was kind of like, well, what, what has changed this time for you? And she goes, I'm just fed up of listening to this voice in my head that's not 
getting to where I want to go. I'm fed up of feeling like the way I want to. I want to be here for my kids. I want to improve my relationship with food so I can actually enjoy these things guilt-free. And we dug into it a little bit more. And it was about being able to be present and knock it, not knocking on those habits to our kids. So it was really, really deep-rooted, but it had a massive impact on everyone else around them. Another thing is you can do is look at your kitchen. Make a list of the foods. Stock them with kind of like fruit on the whole, on the on the table. Put a little bit more frozen veggies into the freezer that are quick and easy to go to. You can maybe reduce the amount of kind of like the other foods in the house if you wanted to. Maybe buy more meal prep containers like lunch boxes and stuff. And that can really, really help. Number nine, eat a little bit more protein. Helps muscle mass, it helps to appetite, helps cravings, keeps helps to kind of get you toned along with training, helps recovery, helps to keep you fuller. And it really, really does help to, to, to do that. So rather than me giving you a number of protein to hit, maybe aim for three to four portions of protein. Look at your, write out your three days of your the, your food diary and look at how much how many meals or how many snacks of protein are you getting in your day. And that could be one way to get them in. And you can simply Google protein sources and you'll get 20 or 30 lists of protein sources that you can look at and say, right, I enjoy that. That's easy to get into my shopping list. That's really cheap and cheerful. The 10th one is managing your stress. So similar to lack of sleep, stress, people pleasing, lack of boundaries. These can do a number on your actual willpower and your ability to actually stick to things. And there are some studies out there that associate poorly managed stress with poor weight management. I'm not saying it's the cause, but there are studies associated with it. Stress also messes with your head and messes with your mental well-being, but it can also increase your appetite. It can decrease your appetite. I'm one of those people who it decreases their appetite. And that's why stress can lead to hunger, cravings, and overeating. And that's through lack of coping mechanisms, not knowing how to deal with the stress, not knowing how to say yes, not knowing how to say no, having less of, lack of boundaries, not knowing your values, all these different things. But how, working on, on how you actually challenge these. I'm, like, you hear it so often on social media about this whole thing of when's the perfect time and all these kind of things. And people, like you hear it on coaches who say now is the perfect time. And if you actually look at when is the perfect time was it six months ago was it a year ago what's changing that have you still got the whole thing of the kids the work that the bound lack of boundaries the, the the carpool karaoke that you have to do with your kids and all the meetings that you have to go your long working hours like that's not really going to change for you but the right approach takes those into account and makes it easier for you and looking at creating that routine that structure around those because you have your work meetings and their kids meetings planned for them but if you look at what you can do you, you'll be a little bit more empowered you'll be less run down a little bit more or less overwhelmed should they say do something today that's going to kind of help you i say to, to reduce yo-yo dieting you need to look at Finding something that's sustainable for you. It's about finding something that's sustainable for you. It's maybe about tracking your intake in a different way. Planning some of your meals. 
Get moving in some shape or form. Stop depriving yourself. Getting quality sleep. Using portion control. Knowing your why. Getting a coach. Look at your kitchen. Eating more protein. Managing your stress. And if you're looking for quick and easy options and keep going for fad diets, all these kind of different things, you're not going to go very far very fast. You're actually going to make it longer for yourself. So if you're interested in working with myself in the Female Fat Loss Program, click on the priority list. If you want to work with me at a one-to-one capacity, click the link in the show notes. These will be the last probably slots for a very, very, very long time with myself because there's something exciting coming up in the next little while. So hopefully you've enjoyed that episode. If you've enjoyed that episode, please tag me up on your stories. Please leave a review up on iTunes. Share with a friend. Subscribe to the podcast or whatever it may be. So hopefully you've enjoyed that episode.